Hello and welcome to the Hawk Week podcast. I'm Hawk Week editor Matthew Appleby and today I'm with Professional Gardeners Guild Chairman Alan Mason. So welcome Alan. Thank you very much. Now Alan became Chairman of the PGG in September 2022, some 45 years after he became a founder member <laughs> when Castle Howard's Brian Hutchinson wrote to 12 Yorkshire head gardeners with the suggestion of forming an association. So we've got a long and illustrious history there, Alan, haven't we? Oh, the PGG has, uh, and I avoided being chairman for uh, as long as possible. Um, I never wanted to be chairman. I was always happy being a member. I think the Professional Gardeners Guild is a fabulous institution. I've enjoyed my membership, but I... I never really had a desire to become chairman. I was vice chairman. I had been treasurer. I had been secretary. Uh, but it was never my desire to become chairman. It just happened. <laughs> how, did, how did it come about? Well, it came about um, our previous chairman had been uh, in the role for, I think, approaching 15 years and, and resigned. And so uh, an interim chairman was needed and and I must not have stepped back quickly enough uh, when everybody else took a step back um, and I was voted in as interim chair. And I struggled a little bit in the first instance because even though I'm a founder member and I've been a member all the time it's been in operation, I felt inadequate. But I'll tell you what, I have discovered we have a most wonderful committee. And so where I felt inadequate, uh, the committee stepped forward and filled in the spaces. Uh, and we've we've added a couple of uh, new uh, people to the committee. Um, and and I, I don't like the word committee. I Committee sounds something old fashioned. So I, I think in terms of a football team, you, you might have a manager who thinks he could play, but he can't because he's passed it. But as long as the players on the park know what they're doing, and with our committee, um, we have a fabulous team. And and they're all, uh, well, I have to say they're all younger than me, um, which is great. Uh, but they're, they're looking to the future. We're not just resting on our laurels. And in the last 12 months particularly, there have been some very exciting developments. It, it's, it's a great place to be at the moment. Oh, brilliant. So that was Tony Arnold you took over from. But what is your vision then? Where, what do you, where do you see the PGG going? Well, it's not just my vision. It is the vision of the committee. So um, we had never had, for whatever reason, uh, a vice chair. We have regional vice chairs. And, and although we had one for the north of England, south of England um, and Scotland and Ireland, we never had one for Wales. And after the last uh, AGM, one of our members from Wales said he would be interested in taking on such a role. So we've made him the interim chair for Wales, uh, a man called Gary Lovelock, a longtime member. Uh, and he's already getting involved with uh, contacting head gardeners in Wales, uh, getting them to uh, hopefully open up their gardens for meetings uh, and hopefully uh, join us. 
but already you know he's getting the ball rolling and that's terrific to see in the same way that that I think Brian O'Donnell in Ireland has been an inspiration to him because Brian's taken what was a fairly low membership number in Ireland uh, and built that up with another 50 members really really quickly and when they have a regional meeting in Highland you'll get 45 of them turning up for a meeting now you know if you've only got just in excess of 50 members and 45 are turning up for a meeting that is incredible and so you know we're looking uh, to each other as VCs to say what can we do what can we do to increase membership how can we offer more to our members and actually it's not a, a new concept but actually asking the members what they would like from the membership we've even had interest from america uh, asking if they could start a group over there so yeah we're moving and we're moving fairly quickly and we just have to be careful not to move too quickly so it's exciting times visiting each other's gardens is is quite a, a big thing how how important is that for members back in the day we didn't have google back in the day in 1977 when brian wrote to a few of us i was 25 i think and so i was a head gardener at bramham park i say head gardener it was head gardener of one other there were two of us looking after a 65 acre garden and so for me to meet up with other head gardeners far more experienced head gardeners um, even today there's more information to be gleaned from other head gardeners than there is from google you need to know the right question to ask google for it to tell you the answer um, when you're talking to a, an experienced head gardener, you can say, look, I've got this problem. Any thoughts? And I know at Bramham, we had several hundred year old beech hedges. And we got a bit of our malaria uh, fungus in a section of the beech hedge. And I thought, oh, no, I've worked so hard to become a head gardener. And now we've got our malaria. It'll, it'll just kill the hedges. And I had this vision, almost a, a, a comic vision of this hedge just dying off before my eyes and I spoke to a head gardener who I knew had had a similar problem and he just smiled he said well first thing stop worrying just dig out the dead section dig out a bit either side clear the soil put some fresh soil in put some new plants in and nine times out of ten it'll have stopped the disease in its tracks and I just thought, I've been worrying about this for weeks. And just having a head gardener to talk to who could look at it simply with a smile on his face and say, you know, it's not a horror book scenario, you know, this, you'll be okay. And sure enough, I was. And so it's quite funny when we have a meeting at a member's garden, we always get um, someone giving us a guided tour. But there's always two or three head gardeners hang back because they want to have a chat about, you know, I've not seen you for a while, I've not seen you since COVID. Um, and I've got this problem. So there's lots of conversations going on and it's really good and really exciting. No, great for sharing information. Now, tell us a bit more about your background, Alan. Well, um, 
I didn't want to be a gardener. I wanted to be a professional footballer. Um, and I had a trial organized with Leeds United back in the day, um, but I got rheumatic fever. And so I wasn't allowed to run for 18 months. And so I had my 14th birthday in hospital. A little bit later on, when I was up and running, literally, uh, I got back in touch with Leeds and I said, right, um, I think I'm OK again now. Um, is it OK to come for the trial? And they simply said, how old are you? I said, well, I'm 16. Oh, I'm sorry, you're too old. So, so I could honestly say that I've been past it since I was 16. Um, and, and so I, I did get a trial with York City. I come from Tadcaster between York and Leeds. Uh, so I went in the other direction. I did get a trial with York City. I did get in, but I didn't make it. And so I I did a, a four-year horticultural apprenticeship uh, at a hospital. I studied with the Institute of Groundsmanship. I thought I might become a groundsman. Surely I'll get spotted kicking a football at lunchtime. I'll be playing for England in a fortnight. It never happened. But while I did the apprenticeship, um, we did four years day release at Ascombe Bryan College, and I found I enjoyed it. Back then, it wasn't the knowledge of plants and putting plants together to create borders and gardens that, that uh, filled me with enjoyment. It was using loud, noisy machines, use a tractor, lawnmowers. Um, we didn't have chainsaws in those days, uh, which probably just as well. Um, so I did an apprenticeship and then I went full time to Ascombe Bryan for four years. And at, at the end of that, um, I was amazingly lucky to get the job of head gardener at Bramham Park, a French style garden. And the family that I worked for, the Lane Fox family, were fabulous. I, I often say they treated me as one of the family. Uh, I'm sure they didn't. But I felt welcomed. You know, I was just a lad from Tadcaster who'd been to college, learned a little bit about gardening. I always said I learned more in the first six months as a head gardener than I had in eight years at college. And that's not meant to be a slur on what they taught me at Ascombe Bryan. It's just that when you're in position, you have to learn. And I loved it. And the family were great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but because Brian Hutchinson then formed the Professional Gardeners Guild, I was amazingly lucky to be offered the gardens manager's job just down the road at what I always called Harewood House. Uh, but the, the man that lived there, the Queen's cousin, he called it Harwood, Harwood House. And so I was there for nine years. And when I was there, Yorkshire Television started making gardening programmes. Uh, and and I was presenting. And then I actually ended up with 15 years on the television with initially Yorkshire TV and, and Channel 4, uh, Anglia and, and, and for a short time, BBC. So, yeah, that was that was me, really. Um, in fact, when I left Harewood in 1987, I set up a garden design business. So I was doing garden design and television. And, and back then, I got a big contract in France to create a garden. And properties really were cheap back then. And I bought a 14th century manor house set in eight and a half acres and decided to create a garden there. And Yorkshire TV filmed the making of it. 
they sold the series to Channel 4. It became, became their most successful garden series. And um, it was simply called Le Manoir. And this was 25 years before Escape to the Chateau. Oh, no, indeed, indeed. No, well, Escape to the Chateau, a big favourite in our house. So, I mean, instead of becoming a kind of Alan Clark, he became a kind of Alan Titchmarsh <laughs> in a way. But uh, so what's what's the, what, what are you up to now What's what, and what's the future? Well, for me personally, um, I am still designing gardens. I am still uh, doing quite a lot of talks and presentations. Uh, the PGG work closely with the gardening charity Perennial. And so uh, we are perennial partners and delighted to be so because they do such a lot for people in horticulture, not just gardening, generally in horticulture. In fact, last night I was giving a talk uh, on behalf of perennial. And so it's nice to be able to do something that you enjoy uh, and that hopefully the audience enjoy too. And at the same time, raise some money uh, for a very worthwhile charity. So. So I'm still doing that. Um, I'm finding that being chairman of the PGG um, is very rewarding in that um, our v it's, it's very much an encouraging role. I encourage our VCs to come up with thoughts and ideas um, and not just the VCs. You know, when we're at a meeting, I'll, I'll find time to chat to members, uh, see how we're doing. Uh, see how they feel we can improve, all that kind of stuff, really. So, Alan, you're working closer with other gardening bodies. Which which bodies are you um, forming links with? We're forming links with uh, as many as we think we can help and they can help us. So um, the Historic Houses Day, uh, that's an event where anybody and everybody who's involved with the running of, of of large historic houses and the gardens will be there and so we we meet people at that uh from the national trust uh we have close links with the national trust for scotland uh, we've actually got people who go to the grow scotland conference and and so i was down at sissinghurst not so long ago the head gardener uh, at Sissinghurst, Troy was my first trainee when I left Harewood. So we go back a long way. And so it's just a case of, of working with these uh, groups and people. And of course, one of the things we've got, which we're really proud of, we have our own traineeship where uh, a trainee joins for a three year period uh, and change uh, their place of work each year. So in three years, you have the wonderful opportunity of working in a different fabulous garden uh, with a different fabulous head gardener. And, and just imagine, you know, I go back to when I was um, an apprentice, I did a four-year apprenticeship at one place and it was good. But you compare that to what these trainees are offered and I've just come back from a four-day seminar in Sussex where we had uh, guest speakers. And so for the trainees, it really is a, a, a flagship a flagship programme. Um, and, and to see these trainees developing their skills, their knowledge and their contacts so that at the end of three years, 
you know, we then really do need to hold on to them as members. They give them free membership uh, for the period of their traineeship. But it's just a case of letting them see that we value them, that we're not just giving. I actually said at the traineeship, you know, just because we give you free membership, don't make the mistake of thinking it's worthless. It is very, very valuable. Come to meetings, meet other members, because it's always been a case of not exactly what you know, but often who you know. And you make contacts for life. And it's great. No, no, indeed. So how do you get young people into the industry? What's what's the secret there? Well, the traineeship is is one way. Uh, we have 15 trainees at the moment. Uh, our trainees work closely with the uh, English Heritage, Historic Gardens, Historic Botanic Gardens uh, trainees and the Mac Robert Trust. So it's not just our trainees. So there's a whole group of trainees come to that. And, and it is a case of just keeping in touch, uh, finding out who's who at various places, making contact, and 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 working for the mutual benefit really, because it's so easy just to become an insular little group for head gardeners, and we don't want that at all. We want we want to be what Brian Hutchinson thought we should be at the very start. Um, great for our own members learning from each other but getting involved with training and study days one of our vcs uh, who's head gardener at burley house is offering a workshop uh, on the care and maintenance of historic trees i mean how many courses do you know of where somebody tells you how to dig a hole and plant a young tree and what to do with it there's loads of them there's very few uh, courses on how to look after a tree that's 300 years old, where the public are allowed in and walk around the base of the tree. You know, so it's interesting to see, you know, it's not just a case of creating new gardens, which most books and most courses and most TV programs are about. We have the nation's gardens to care for, and many of them are historic. And so it, it's making use of that and making use of our members' knowledge and experience and trying to get it to a wider public beyond our own membership. A big thing that PGG does is pay grades. Do you think that gardeners, head gardeners, are paid enough? <laughs> oh, if only I could say yes or no. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because traditionally, people in horticulture have been paid uh, abysmally low. I, I do believe that uh, nowadays people understand better, not fully, uh, better that a head gardener is someone who has had a great deal of, of technical training, the health and safety issues, the issues uh, regarding chemicals, it's a very different job to the one that I took on as head gardener. When I became a young head gardener, um, it was the running of the garden, the plants, the historical aspects of it, the architecture. All those were the important things that came to the fore. These days, there is much more, dare we even call it paperwork, because a lot of it's paperless. 
But it is a, a very different job to the one that, that I uh, inherited as a head gardener. And so because of, well, for one instance, COVID, there was a lot of uh, problems where, where staff were furloughed. Uh, and sometimes the uh, garden staff numbers have not got back to where they used to be. And, uh, and, and so many gardens are now using volunteers. Now, the idea of volunteers, some people go, oh, well, that means that, you know, we, we're not using a, a paid member of staff. Someone's lost a job and we've got volunteers in. We have to live in the world we are in. And and so volunteers can offer a lot, uh, but they can't just be let loose. And so uh, I was recently with a head gardener who is running a group of volunteers very, very successfully. He's incorporated them into the team. It's not team A and team B. It's all you're all part of the team. Uh, and OK, you might not have got the qualifications and the experience of my full time staff but you are great assistants. And so, you know, the job does change. How, how much should you pay a head gardener? Because it's not uh, one single kind of head gardener suits all, it's very difficult. And so what the PGG does is offer a, offer a salaries and rates guideline, which we've done for many years. And if you're applying for a job or you're in a job, you can use that guideline to show to your employer, look, this is the guideline. Uh, and very often it does help with negotiation. So it's not a case of that's what we suggest and that's what I've got to have. It is a negotiating tool, but it will never be perfect. But it is a great assistance. And I know that other professional bodies look to the PGG uh, for our salaries and rates guideline and, and, and use it as a good example. Another very useful part of what the PGG does. But now we're, we're, we're coming towards the end of the podcast and what we always talk about, Alan, is your favourite plant. Um, it's a whole week classic. We asked the question at the end of the podcast. So, Alan, what, what is your favourite plant? <laughs> I remember Jeffrey Smith um, who used to be on television, being asked the same question. And I remember him laughing and say, that's easy. It's a different plant each month. Um, I won't do that. I have a plant in my garden, uh, which is a myrtle. It's the small-leafed uh, Myrtus communist Tarantina. When I was at Bramham Park, uh, Mrs. Lane Fox Senior, so that was the mother of the owner, came into the walled garden one day. I'd only been at work two weeks. And she pointed at this scrubby little plant growing against the south-facing wall. She said, do you know what that is? I said, Ooh, I, said I, know, I know it's a myrtle, but I don't know which one. She said, you don't need to know its Latin name. You just need to know that that is grown from a cutting that was in my wedding bouquet and headband. Please protect it through the winter. I don't want it to die on your watch. So as soon as she'd left the wall garden, I took a dozen cuttings and most of them rooted. And when I left Bramham, I took one of those rooted cuttings with me, with permission. And I've had it or a cutting from it in every garden I've ever created for me since then. And I've got one now just outside the door uh, in a large terracotta pot 
and every time I go by, I, I just look at that, sometimes fondle the leaves and have a little smell, that beautiful myrtle scent. And it makes me think of lovely times at Bramham Park and a lovely lady who was my first boss. And I, I mentioned to you that we just had the traineeship seminar and two of our trainees went to Florence to study uh, the gardens of Florence, the Renaissance gardens. And a lot of them had box hedges and the box is suffering with box blight and, and caterpillar and moth. And I had a wry smile when they said, but the Myrtus Tarantina has been used as a replacement for box. And I smiled because I've had one plant in my garden ever since my Bramham Park days. Um, and that one plant might just have a great future in combating the problems we've got with box blight. Brilliant. What a great story. Well, it's been great talking to Alan Mason, the chairman of the Professional Gardeners Guild, and this has been the Hawk Week podcast. I'm Matt Appleby, Hawk Week editor, and make sure you never miss a Hawk Week podcast. Subscribe to or follow Hawk Week podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platform. And once again, thanks to Alan Mason, and goodbye until next time. <laughs>